0: Alright, good morning everyone, Uh, except it's not the morning, it's the evening, it's Tuesday evening in fact Uh, I thought we'd try something new this week and go with the Tuesday instead of a Monday Because let's be honest, why would you be listening to this guy on a Monday morning when James Richardson exists? Uh, This week on Scouted Weekly I have Phil Costa and Steve with me as usual We talk about Kai Havertz and we talk about Sambi Lokonga and we talk about the future of England's midfield could it be Cobby Minu and Adam Wharton? Spoilers. No, probably not. But we enjoy talking about it anyway. Um, and then on handbook history this week, boy, it is a spicy one. I put the guys through their paces. Who will come out on top? Will I finally put together a group of clues that flummox the experts? Find out this week on Scouted Weekly. Good morning, everyone. I'm Tom Curran. It's Tuesday, the 20th of February, and the hint of summer London gave us held about as strong as Sheffield United's defence, which is to say it tried really hard, but then it got a bit excited and decided to tackle someone's knee with its studs. Joining me today is my personal favourite co-host because his presence means I get to talk about Arsenal without feeling guilty. Here to do his introduction entirely in Spanish, flawlessly,
1: it's Phil Costa yes what an intro by the way i've I've usurped steve in the pecking order which is always nice so um Mm. but yeah always arsenal guaranteed with me and i'm not doing it in spanish now because i'm shy and embarrassed so
0: oh you did it two minutes ago it was beautiful um the other guy is here as well
2: and it's steve hello steve hello and welcome to all melbourne victory fans listening what a win great success lovely to be here (laughs) as always
0: All right, should we get this out of the way early then?
2: What did Melbourne Victory do and why are you so excited about it? Uh, I think it was a 96th and a 98th minute goal, both from league 1 uh, legend, some might say, Damien De Silva, uh, to turn around a 1-0 deficit and win the game. So very excited. Back into third. We're coming for the A-League title. Victory are back. Is that where you've been for the past few hours? That is exactly where I've been, and I'm surprised that I still have a voice after that. So I'm you absolutely shocked that you've been very happy to yeah.
0: yeah. Thanks so much. Uh appreciate your presence. Cause uh if I was you and that was Arsenal, I would uh, not be alive currently. Speaking of Arsenal, let's go straight into some of the news, boys. Uh, Arsenal absolutely battered Burnley happy days, um, and I was absolutely battered on Twitter because I had a hit tweet, and that doesn't happen very often. Um, but I had a a little tweet pop off about Kai Havertz saying how good he was against Burnley. And then I saw a little bit later, Phil Costa was on Arsenal Vision earlier yesterday, question mark? Yesterday, talking also about Kai Havertz and how good he was. So, Phil, um, I think a lot of people only think that Kai Havertz is good when he dribbles through the whole team and scores a goal. Um, What else is he doing? Because I have some thoughts, but I'd like to hear you
1: again. (laughs) I mean, I don't think it's rocket science what we've been able to do with him. I think he's a player with a very specific set of skills. Not to go full Liam Neeson. Um, But what is he good at? Running in behind, being a big lump that you can put the ball into and it's working um before the games were just passing him by in midfield he's not the guy who who can kind of receive the ball and turn on it and drive he's a much more impactful player in the final thirds where he can crash the box where he can be a foil for players to bounce off of and you know we've seen it now with leo trossard that kind of relationship is is working really nicely it's smooth they interchange during the game and yeah, I mean, I, I think myself and many other people would, would, were a bit guilty of lacking some patience with him um, because he's he's a difficult player to to figure out from when he broke through at Leverkusen to how he developed at Chelsea. There wasn't really a defined place for him ever. You know, he just kind of felt like a, a number on a team sheet. But now in this Arsenal team, I'm, I'm seeing a role that he's comfortable in, that other people are comfortable with him in. And uh, yeah, he was excellent on Burnley and, and the performance was kind of capped with the goal as well, which is great.
0: Stephen, would Melbourne victory
2: be better or worse with Kai Havertz? Well, we do have the Uruguayan sensation Bruno Fornarelli up front. So that is a very difficult question. But from what I actually did see of this game, I was... Uh, halfway through a kebab at 3am, watching it, so I didn't, I wasn't fully focused on on what was going on. But Kai Havertz was throwing himself around like crazy, and it kind of like, I think it's, it, it's something kind of changed because he was doing it a bit in the Liverpool game. But every time I kind of looked up, he was just like throwing elbows, like he's kind of look, looking like Darwizzy a little bit. Um, so whether it's a little bit of a change in mentality or change of approach that he's like, that's something that they've looked at as a focus of how he should be uh, playing. But yeah, whatever it whatever it is, it seems to be working quite well. Yeah. My hit tweet was about how he'd won
0: twice as many duels as anyone else on the pitch. Um, and I think that's kind of key to what he's bringing to Arsenal is that he leads from the front in the press, his physical he throws himself around, like you're saying, and he's winning the ball quite high a lot, which is pretty key to how Arsenal attack. I mean, I think they're leading the league or in the top two with Liverpool for how many goals they're scoring after high turnovers. Um And we're you know, leading Kai
1: Europe's easy. top five leagues for high turnovers. So Ooh, I stand correct. am bringing
0: the stats as well. He's prepared this week. I didn't actually. I got it wrong but thank you for, uh, noticing the effort. Yeah. But that's what Guy Havertz does, right. Is that he, um, he wins the ball high and then he gets himself into positions to
2: link up with other players. And he's very if nice. Can, and I like if if him very bring much a bit more volume in terms of goal scoring. Then, uh, that would also be very nice, but, uh, baby steps are always yeah. good. He looks a little
0: bit like a baby giraffe still anytime he does anything, but, uh, it tends to be quite useful. Um, the other thing I wanted to raise about Arsenal was uh, Luton Town marching on towards another tasty zero points, but a good performance, um, which seems to be their uh, their thing at the moment. Um, particularly taking the headlines as their midfield of Ross Barkley and Sambi Lokonga, which is interesting to us as Arsenal fans, Philip, because I think a lot of us thought of Sambi Lokonga's time as done, uh, at the club and that there was no way back for him, but this loan is, um, it's going pretty well. Um, I've seen a lot of people talk about, um, how Sambi was a player who needed a kind of physical education that he's finally getting playing in kind of this championship-esque style at Lune. Um, so the question is, how's he doing? And is the door still
1: open, do you think, at home? He's done really well. I'm pleased for him, actually, because towards the end of his, well, I'm not going to say his Arsenal career, but things started to get a little bit toxic. Um, He just was completely zapped of all confidence. And you could see it in the way that he was playing. There was no willingness to get on the ball. He was just terrified. You know, everything was safe and it was clear that the Arsenal headlights were shining a bit too brightly. Um, And it's through no fault of his own. He'd basically breezed through Belgian football playing for Anderlecht who were, or who were dominant. You know, nice, pretty ball playing side. His deficiencies in terms of his defensive aspects were were not tested. And he came straight from Belgian football to the Premier League. And it was like, oh my God, I have to run... 50 times more than I did in Belgium, basically. And he wasn't ready for it. He was already, um, yeah, a bit underdeveloped in that side of his game in terms of his intensity, his willingness to track runners, his all-around defensive awareness was not there. Um, And when you asked him to anchor a top four team and later title challenging team in the absence of Thomas Party, it's no surprise that he looked a bit out of place. So... I'm really pleased that he's doing well at Luton. They've been a big surprise for me this season. And, you know, who would have thought six months ago that Samuel Lukonga and Ross Barkley would be a really good midfield pair? So, um, look, I don't know if he's at Arsenal uh, or still in their thoughts or whether he has a long-term future at Arsenal, I'd be very surprised. But considering where his value was and how low his stocks were at the start of the season, he's done very well and... I think leading up to a summer move, there'll be a market for him for sure. Uh, Steve, do you want to talk at all about um, kind of what these kind of
0: loans can do for a player that's lacking a little bit of physicality, especially for a player like Sambi, I think, who's, how old is he now, 24? Uh, Sounds about right, 23, 24. 24, yeah. Um, So once a player's hit that age, right, they're You expect them to be developed physically. So what are they learning at that point by being battered around a bit in a tough midfield?
2: I think this lone move is great for him just because it's like putting him in these scenarios like time and time again, time and time again, time and time again. Like at Arsenal, he's not going to be doing as much defending, but if he's not like getting the reps, those key moments where he needs to be making interventions, he's not quite prepared for it. Whereas now he's, you know, playing in a in a team that's really aggressive defensively um, and it's, you know, seeing what he can and can't do and, like, he keeps getting more and more practice at doing it because they do a lot of defending. Um, he'll, I would be incredibly surprised if it means that he actually does go back to Arsenal and may, plays in the first team. I just don't see how that is going to happen, especially considering Arsenal have a lot of youth team prospects in midfield that they probably will look towards if they're, trying to scrounge around for some end of the bench midfield minutes uh, but for him it's great puts him back in the, the shop window for another pretty solid move after this if Luton can stay up maybe it might be back at Luton next season um, but yeah it's great for him uh, especially as Phil said a player that was quite down on confidence after a bit of a tough time in his in his career at Arsenal um, to be able to once again show the kind of quality that got him a Premier League move and and build on it, um, and there's you know still heaps you can can learn it at 23, 24, and you know there's a lot of players that are still into their physical development even at that age. Uh, so I'm sure what he's what he's learning now is going to stick with him for for a while, and it's going to further round out his game and make him into a a long term Premier League player rather than just a flash in the pan and get us a nice fee
0: hopefully that's what i'm hoping for at least um let's talk very briefly boys about probably the headline fixture of the weekend and that was chelsea at the etihad um somehow managed to scrape together one or well i say somehow i didn't actually watch the full game so i don't know um how they kind of held this together i've heard um Erling Haaland missed about 400
1: chances any truth to that Phil did you watch this one I did watch it and Chelsea weren't actually that bad especially in the first half they were kind of getting in behind on the break a lot which I think suits Chelsea at this stage of their development because they don't really have the quality and composure to be able to uh, to control games whereas they've got a lot of aggression and tenacity in midfield and they've got a lot of speed on the break so I always think in terms of these games where they're playing the bigger teams it actually suits them a lot more than playing the likes of Forest, uh, Crystal Palace, you know the the teams in the lower half of the table because they're not expected to control Um, and you could see Malagusto getting in in behind, Raheem Sterling getting in, uh, Nico Jackson you know these are quick powerful runners in behind and City really were having trouble in the first half controlling that and even in the first 10-15 minutes of the second half there were more chances for Chelsea Sterling had one that Edison saved and Kunku had one that um, he just dallied on a bit and got caught up by Ruben Diaz so they had the blueprint but if you play like that you need to take your chances and they didn't And from that point, City were just bombarding them. I mean, there was maybe eight players in the Chelsea box for the last half an hour. Um, And when you've got quality coming into the box, like Kevin De Bruyne, Jeremy Doku, um, even Carl Walker was getting forward. And and then, you know, eventually it becomes very difficult to hold out. Haaland was very funny. He had nine shots in the game. And I think alone amassed an XG of like 1.79. And he uh, he was just heading over chances that you would expect to, him to bury and not getting on the end of things. And you, the longer it goes on, you think, oh, is this going to be their day? But obviously, Rodri's there. He's he's always clutch for, for City when they need him. And I'm just glad that they they managed to take some points off them, if not uh, all three.
0: Damn, it sounds to me like they should have kept uh, Gabriel Jesus up front Um, Steve Chelsea is your favourite subject Um, what do you have to say about this
2: I think Phil made a great point about they play much better against bigger teams and I really just think it all stems down to like the way that their attack has been built like players like Sterling and Jackson like these players are just much better playing like transition ball then they are having to break down a set defense because without the box presence of a, you know, big time striker, when teams are in the Premier League are setting, you know, nine, 10 plays in the box, uh, it just makes it incredibly, incredibly difficult. So I think, you know, we've seen already this season, they've beat Spurs, they've, uh, drawn against Liverpool in the first game. They played quite well, uh, you know, City. They had that four four as well earlier in the season. Uh, so I think did they. I can't remember. Well, they drew they against Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah, they drew against Arsenal. That's so they've had some bridge, really, really, yeah. really good results against the bigger teams, and then they come up against teams like Wolves, and those teams sit sit back, and they just cannot penetrate and create chances against them. So I think there's definitely something in that. Um, that it's quite a long-term trend now over the course of whatever 24 games or so that the, that are, that we've had so far in the Premier League season. So I think that's one to, to note. They have actually a run of a fair few big teams coming up. I think they've got uh, Spurs, Newcastle, maybe United as well uh, coming out qu- quite shortly. So that'll be another test of this theory. But uh, yeah, They've kind of dug themselves into a hole that the results really won't, won't change the way their season's headed, but um, it's something to, to kind of look for, especially when it comes to maybe looking at coaches if they decide to, to sack Pochettino. Maybe the kind of coach they want to go for is someone that plays a bit more transition ball and make uh, use of the, the kind of play that they seem to have signed, which is suited to that, to that kind of style of play, at least initially. Um, or whether they then say, okay, maybe we do need that big time striker, and then go spend 120 million on Victor Austrian in the summer, and see if that helps you breaking down those more set defensive lines with a with a player that has plenty of box presence. Um, so I think we learn more and more about them every week. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's my two cents.
0: We will move on, boys, to um, talk about a few miscellaneous. Premier League items on the agenda Uh, first of all uh, Rasmus Hoyland Philip you brought up pre-show that he'd done something involving six goals six games something I've forgotten already please explain
1: yeah he's now the youngest player to score in six consecutive Premier League games overtaking Joe Willock I believe, from his first uh, loan spell at Newcastle, which is a, a nice achievement considering how he started the season. Um, yeah, another brace this weekend against Luton. He just looks more comfortable and it's not overly surprising. Young guy, only had one real season in Syria, which was good, but not amazing. But you could see the the obvious credentials. You know, he's a tall guy, good movement, quick in behind he's kind of the full package really and yes united overpaid for him but you kind of have to take a gamble on on attacking talent because the striker pool is just horrible at the moment there's no kind of established strikers so what do you have to do you have to take a gamble on young talent and they did with him and after scoring against Aston Villa um, I think it was either just before the new year or just after the new year he's kind of been on fire really and the whole team just looks more comfortable playing around him. They're also passing to him, which is really nice. And it's not just Rashford and Anthony doing hero ball all the time. They've got Garnacho into the team now, which is great because he was being shoehorned in on the left, but now he's playing on the right. So that gives United an added counter-attacking threat. And they just look a bit more a bit more dangerous moving forward. So um confidence is a funny thing, right? And he's and he's scoring goals. Um, he was already scoring goals in the Champions League. But now that he's got this kind of Premier League curse off his back, I'm quite curious to see what he does for the rest of the season because I I quite like him. I have to say, I think there's an honesty and a perseverance to his game that will always give him chances in a kind of Cavani-esque fashion. Even if the final touch is not always there, he will just always be in positions to score goals. And ultimately, that's the most important trait trait, you you can have in a striker.
0: Stephen, last year, you wrote a story called striking gold, which was about project nines and, uh, how buying young forwards and developing them is the way forward. Uh, Phil mentioned the price. That was pretty enormous, but, um, Rasmus is like essentially a pro- project nine, right? So how, how do you think it's going for him so far?
2: Well, if you're a team like United and you need a starting caliber nine. I'm not sure it's even really an overpay because they bought what, they knew what they were getting. And that is like the athletic package that a Premier League striker needs. And he has that. And considering how young he is to already have that is uh, incredible. Um, So yeah, what he's doing, I'm really happy that Ten Hag just like has kept persevering with him as well. He hasn't really been in and out too much. He's got pretty consistent game time and eventually it was going to come together. Doesn't help that United's attack in the first half of the season was pretty poor as well. Um, And now he's just kind of clicked into gear and looks really, really comfortable. And I think I saw some of his work with his creative passing behind and stuff like that that looks pretty neat as well. So when you think that the rest of the striker market is like, I don't know, Jonathan David, Victor Ossiman, Joshua Zirkzee, But Zirkzee wasn't firing like he is now before the start of the season when when United bought Hoyland. So there's just not a huge amount out there if you want a ready-made, young number nine. So you got to pay up. And they did. And I don't think anyone would be regretting what they spent on him at the moment. Um, the, the early signs have been... Super positive, and now that he's getting it together, uh, you see what the what the rewards can be of, of investing in these type of players. Just the next challenge is maybe finding one a little younger, a little cheaper, and and uh, developing them as an understudy. But I think when you when you need a striker, which United have probably needed one for like two, three years, you just sometimes have to, to pay up and and get what you need immediately. All right, we're going to
0: stay with. Man United, um, move a little bit further back into the midfield, um, and bring in an England flavor as well. I don't know what an England flavor would be. Disgusting, probably bacon. Yeah. Thumbs down. Exactly. Um, I don't know who mentioned it. I couldn't find who mentioned it. Someone was talking about Kobe Mainu going, um, to the Euros this summer very seriously. Right. And it got me thinking. Because in the same weekend, Calvin Phillips, who seems to be undroppable for Gareth Southgate, um, just pushed some guy over and and got himself sent off like an absolute melon. So he seems to be trying really hard not to go to the Euros. Um, So two questions, really. One is, what are the pitfalls of inviting someone like Kobe Mainu into an international environment too early? And then a wider question about England's midfield, but I'll, I'll ask after. So, Steve, first question: What could go wrong if we bring menu in too early?
2: Probably nothing. Um, maybe that you take Good him Phil, away. Next from, question: <laughs> Maybe that you take him away from like under twenty one football, but like I don't see that as a as a big problem. Like, why not test your player pool if like there's a guy that's in amazing form. There's a lot of the times these like late bolter selections can can you know can change change your life and in a international tournament they can can bring something different that the teams weren't expecting. I just don't understand. Hey, there might be other, there might not be a reason to sign, uh, to bring him. There might be heaps of other players ahead of the queue. I kind of always struggle with uh, international managers that like develop an attachment to players. Uh, and then even if that player is like just not doing anything at club level, they just continue to pick them at senior international level. Because uh, I just like I don't understand how he could pick and play Calvin Phillips considering he's barely played. When he has come in for West Ham now, he hasn't really been that great. He's got sent off. Um, so, yeah, why not try Mainu? Uh, Mainu, Mainu, I still don't know how you say I think it's Mainu. Uh, but yeah, he's been he's been so so good for United. Fit in straight away, and athletically looks the looks the business to to fit in at senior level. So that wouldn't be a, a major concern of bringing him into into the senior setup. So if that's something that Southgate looks at, I don't see why anyone should really have a problem with it.
0: Phil, would you rather Calvin Phillips, Jordan Henderson,
1: or Coby Minu? <laughs> <laughs> i'm I'm with steve just he's proven already that he's capable enough to be the only source of technical quality and composure in a manchester united midfield so why would he not be able to make a step up to to england you know i i think southgate has for all the good work that he's done i think he has clear favorites and Jordan Henderson being picked this season for the Euros would be a disaster. I'm sorry. There's just no way you could do that. He's done nothing to deserve it or justify it. it. And if you are, I know he's going to do it, but, you know, Calvin Phillips has probably been the only player ever to take himself out of England contention by playing, you know, he he, he had a better chance of getting into the squad by just sitting on the bench at City. So the midfield has needed a big rebuild, regeneration, however you want to say it. But get Declan Rice in there, get Jude Bellingham in there and let Phil Foden and Kobe Maynou fight for the rest. Like seriously. But that's the um, other
2: thing too. It's like it's, you're, you're, you're four months out from the Euros now. Like where's the testing of the player pool that you have in like the last year and a half or so since the World Cup? Like that's like Nations League, all these things. Test what you have, see all the different players that you could possibly play. Because if it gets to four months out from the Euros, Calvin Phillips has played like one game in the last year, and Jordan Henderson had a disastrous like six months in Saudi Arabia and has just arrived at Ajax. Like and if you're 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 hemming yourself into picking them for the Euros, I just it's just bizarre. So I guess they've got bigger squads, so if something goes wrong with those two players and they're playing terribly, they can mix it up, but no, I just I don't understand. I have been really
1: impressed with him though. Like genuinely, there's not many academy graduates who have come out of United in the last decade that I've been jealous of, but Kobe Mainu is one. I just think his quality was very clear from very early on. You know, we've watched him um, quite closely at Scouted for the last two or three years and he just jumps off the page, you know, and probably along with Rashford, he's been the only one really that I've, I've genuinely been upset about not having in, in my academy, you know, can,
0: can I introduce a wild card to the England midfield discussion? Um, a young man have who it? played quite well, <laughs> no, uh, young man who ran the show last night against Everton. That would be one Adam Wharton question mark.
1: Bit early, bit early, but I think yeah, Glasner is a why really is not... good manager for him.
0: Yeah, and why could you not say the same about Cobby?
1: Because I'm talking about he's... four months still to play, right? Yeah, I just think it's he's playing at a higher level
2: and more versatile in the kind of roles he can play, I think. Mm. He, he, he's not that? far
1: away, though, honestly. I don't think if if he plays consistently at Palace, I think Glasner is a really good manager for him in terms of rounding out his game. You know, I think he's going to love Adam Wharton in terms of his forward passing, his physical uh, capacity. I'm really excited to see what what happens with him over the next few months. But he is somebody that I would say maybe just hold off a little bit, whereas Maynou already playing better than the likes of Casemiro, um, Scott McTominay, you know, all of these guys. So also I I wouldn't complain.
2: Is Southgate still playing that double pivot as well?
1: He plays like a three.
2: Yeah. um, But Mason
1: Mount's probably not going to be in the squad. There's a lot of decisions to make. I mean, this is going to be a really interesting last few months of the season because there's a lot of candidates who are kind of in and around there. Um, But I just don't, I think he'll go with what he he likes and what he knows basically.
2: If he was looking for a single pivot, I could understand him taking a look at Wharton before the tournament. But I think if he plays his double pivot thing, it's probably less likely or less of an option. And Manu makes much more sense in terms of that's the role that he's playing at United and he's a bit more versatile in in how we can shift between six and eight kind of things compared to to Wharton, who's more comfortable as a six.
0: Um. Yeah, Adam played in a pair last night and he was pressing pretty high up the pitch and kind of buzzing around and doing all sorts. Um, he definitely wasn't a six on his own. And I don't know anything about Glasner, but um, they were saying on Monday Night Football, that's kind of what he does is he he plays a four across the middle. And um, Phil, I don't know if you have any more insight on this about like what you think Adam's role is going to be in the future.
1: I think he'll primarily be tasked with progression, deep progression, but considering a lot of the deficiencies in his game, kind of similar to Sambi, were defensive, his defensive output this year so far for, for Blackburn has been excellent, you know, and you can slowly see him becoming a more rounded, complete midfielder. And I think Glasner has the potential to to turn him into a more box-to-box player, um, as well as a kind of deep progressor who can pick up the ball from the centre backs and, and kind of let him go. So I think it's really exciting. He's a he's a fun manager, quite demanding, but I think if he looks at his squad, Adam Wharton partnered alongside Cech Dukure, for example, is is really exciting. Even though Dukure is currently injured, but you can see the future there in terms of how they can partner each other with their mixture of attributes. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Well, I de- derailed us slightly there. Um, I am being slightly facetious, obviously. I don't think Adam should go straight into the England first team, um, but I do think it's very exciting just watching him. Like he doesn't seem out of place in the Premier League at all. Or it, you know, the first couple of games were a bit of a baptism of fire, but he was um, very comfortable last night. So happy days. Another um,
2: tick for signing good level Championship young players as well which seems to be happening very very regularly at the moment. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um talking of someone else who seems very comfortable in the Premier League setting. Harry Styles was at Kenilworth Road last night, um sharing a mint with uh Mick Harford. So my question to you guys and I put this to you last night because it's um it's quite a serious question and I I thought it needed um You know a bit of running time a bit of analysis if you could share a mint with any celebrity at the football who would it be
1: and why phil i'm going to start with you well i'm going to flip it i'm going to do an uno reverse who would yours be i didn't prepare i didn't i didn't you can't do that it's illegal even better go off instinct that's that's the most natural answer you can give who would it be my serious answer would, would just be
0: Ian Wright. I just really want to go to a fo- to an Arsenal game with Wrighty. Um, but uh, I wish I had a funnier answer than that, to be honest. I mean,
1: Ian Wright's great. We all great. love Wrighty. Come on then. Uh, my one, I, I was torn. I mean, obviously, Arsene Wenger would just be like a slam dunk, but I tried to be a little bit imaginative. Um maybe idris elba oh
2: even Why though idris he was massively
1: he would massively show me up in the looks department but hopefully i can get some clout through osmosis um and because he's next to me maybe people will just assume that i'm talented handsome and rich um and i saw how him it once usually works I hope so, and I saw him once withdrawing money from an ATM in Kentish town, so right. I'd like to ask him about that and revisit the chemistry we we had on that day. How many mints
0: could he buy with the money he took out? was it a lot of money
1: a lot of mints <laughs> I, I wasn't that close, but he was wearing a kind of Lutheresque jacket so
0: ridiculously um, handsome man from one ridiculously handsome man to another Stephen um. Who, who would you like to share a mint at the football with?
2: If he was still alive, Shane Warne. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good, or, that's that's a a good, good one. one. And my novelty answer is the guy that hosts the Chase UK because he seems like a big football <laughs> fan whenever there's a question come <laughs> up. And he's also hilarious. So I just thought that one could be fun. I don't know uh, even what his name is, but it, it's always on with TV. With Fanny Schmeller. Fanny. Yeah, the Fanny Schmeller Fanny guy. Schmeller. Okay. I saw I saw a video come up on my Facebook of uh of of them meeting. He was doing a, a yes. He, be, he was yeah, doing a show at BBC, yeah. and uh, and she walked in on him. So it was that was very funny. But yeah, that guy's a legend. So I would happily share a mint with uh, with him.
0: I would, after righty, I'd like to amend and add uh, some more options, and that's um, pretty much any of the comedians on cats does countdown. What's the, um, Oh God, what's the name? Guy passed away. Sean Locke. Sean Locke has to be Sean Locke. Possibly the funniest man, um, who's ever lived and, uh, RIP. Right. We'll stop being stupid and ask some, uh, serious football questions. Now we'll move on to our watch list. Only we've got one name on, on here this week. And that's, um, for Stephen to talk about, Stephen, you were sharing w- videos this week of Dean Hoyson who is a, I believe, a Juve. Is this a, a next-gen kind of this import is. guy that they're using? This is. Yeah, so he's, he's a centre-back, right, and he scored an absolute screamer um, last week. So do you want to talk a bit about him?
2: Yes, it was uh, very, very timely considering I posted a piece on The Notebook this week looking through the development of the Juventus next-gen project. And the latest cab off the rank this season has been Dean Hoysen, who uh, Mourinho was very, very keen to bring over on loan before he was sacked by Roma. was kind of up in the air what was going to be happening with him in terms of minutes, but he seems to still be trusted by uh, Daniele De Rossi, so... um, didn't see the game, but by all, all accounts, he actually wasn't having the best 45 minutes, even though he's been pretty solid for them so far. But what he did do was take the ball at halfway, dribble through his entire team, and absolutely launch a rocket top bins. Um, and it just showed you what this guy is all about as a as a center back. He is technically like just as a passer and as a technician, just the top, top tier. Of centre-back, you'll see. So uh, another tick for the uh, Juventus Academy. They they brought him over a couple of years ago from from Malaga in Spain. Um, and now he seems destined to be uh, with the first team at Juventus next season once he returns from his loan. But yeah, incredible player. He actually had scored a very, very similar goal with his opposite foot uh, when he was in the next-gen team in the third division in Italy. So that's another uh, string to his bow. He is extremely two-footed, um, no weak foot. He's he's he that got the Santi Cazola, and that is no exaggeration, uh, ability to play on both sides of his body. So, um, yeah, this kid is going to be big time, I think, for a long, long time. Um, part of that generation of, uh, of very, very young centre-backs getting lots of minutes at uh, pretty... Pretty big clubs. We've seen Kubasi. We've seen Scalvini in the last couple of years. More and more players coming in at that young age. Uh, if they can play with the ball, even if they are maybe not so physically developed, they're playing in teams where they're not doing as much defending, you can kind of hide it a little bit. And if you can maximize what they can do with possession, I think you can you can make it work. So uh, Dean Hoysen, big name for the future. Um, also can... Uh, can represent Spain as well. I think Spain have been uh, courting him in the last year or so to try and uh, switch allegiances from the Netherlands. So definitely one that's worth fighting over. You will hear a lot about him in the future, I believe. So, uh, yes, Dean Hoyssen. If the Spanish delegation need a
0: a fluent speaker, Phil is right here and uh, ready to go. Um, Phil, who is your favourite centre back who could absolutely leather one top bins from
1: thirty yards? Uh, he wasn't David Luiz good at on. much else. Yeah, David Luiz was was great. You say We've David. had a few at Arsenal.
0: I was going to say Thomas Vermaelen.
1: Yeah, Thomas Vermaelen came to mind for me as well. But we also had Colo Touré, who used to randomly mm. just sprint forty yards and whack one towards goal. Um, I'm trying to think in the modern era, there was Alex as well at Chelsea, yeah. Um, who could certainly smack a few. Um, that is a very great but niche area of football, isn't it? Guys that just centre-backs ranging forward and smashing goals towards top bins.
0: Might be my favourite sub-genre of footballer, other than twisty little six, sixes. Uh, anyway, all right. Should we move on to our notebook this week? So if you don't know what Scouted Notebook is, scoutednotebook.com. It's our premium newsletter Um, behind a paywall, of course, but uh, that's because it's really, really good. This week, we've got a number of cool things coming up. Um, uh, I have been working with uh, Nathan Joyce on a story about one Victor Hugo. No, not that one, but I have managed to be so annoying, putting so many Les Miserables references in this thing and just obscure quotes from Victor Hugo's past. But this Victor Hugo is a midfielder from uh, Brazil. So we uh, take a look at why and how he might be coming to Europe soon. Stephen, you're working on something very cool. Please tell us about it. I'm referencing the South America thing.
2: Yes, I am doing a piece currently that should be ready this week, looking at South American players and scouting in the style of Brighton, which is, I guess, the model that every Premier League club is trying to uh, copy, I guess, in a way. Uh, So really looking at what Brighton deem important in a player. And then extrapolating that out into some metrics through our friends at Skill Corner that uh, I think reflect the type of player that, uh, that Brighton look for, and then uh, taking a closer look at a, at a few of them from different countries in South America. So um, some lessons to be learned. I think that the Brighton model isn't a one-size-fits-all, but I think uh, little tidbits from what they do are very applicable, even if the... Uh, actual implementation will have to vary a little bit differently depending on the the tactics and style of of each individual club. But, uh, yeah, that one should be coming Thursday or Friday, I believe. Just before
0: I bring Phil back in, I wanted to ask about um, you profiled Scouted 50s, Lamine Yamal, last week, and you ran some numbers um, that were pretty remarkable uh, you said at one point you thought you'd broken something, um, but you hadn't. They were right. And then you ran his numbers against uh, Messi's and were surprised by the outcome. Can you just explain very briefly why his numbers were so extraordinary and what made you stop and kind of stare at them?
2: Yeah, well, the, the skill corner metric basically about what uh, what players can do under high pressure I find really, really interesting. Um it seems to me that generally very good players are very good in these particular metrics. And uh, I was scrambling through what Jamal was doing this season at Barcelona, and every single one of these metrics was just, you know, top 10, top 15% of, of attackers in, in La Liga. Uh, and when you consider that uh, these high-pressure metrics, it's often something that young players will not be so good in. Uh for example, I looked at Gianluca Prestiani and was an area that he struggled in a little bit in comparison to someone like Yamal. And often it can boil down to not just technical things, but also um, physical things, being able to deal with shoulder-to-shoulder contact, contact into your back, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but Yamal, it was just everything was just off the page. So um, I thought, why not do a little thought experiment and throw up uh Messi's numbers from, from twenty eighteen onwards and do a little bit of a of a comparison. Not to say that, that Yamal is, is going to be like Messi or is Messi. Uh but to see him exceed in, in these types of metrics, which I implore you to go to go read the piece and, and take a, a little look at it. And actually I think uh Lou might have posted them on Twitter as well. Um he did, yeah. It shows you the the kind of ceiling that that Barcelona are working with with a with a 16 year old player that is nowhere near the finished uh, product as a as an athlete that he's already uh, you know able to play at this level under the under high pressure so uh, he is going to explode at some point once Barcelona start giving him a bit more uh, some more touches and a bit more responsibility in the uh, in the attack, but already what he's doing this season is mightily impressive. And to, to think that um, yeah, his usage is still limited uh, is yeah, a scary, a scary uh, prospect for, for La Liga defenders for, for the coming years, because all signs point towards him being an absolutely big time, big time player of the, the elite level um, not to put any jinxes or anything, considering the, the injury history of some other top Barcelona prospects in, in, recent, in recent time. But he might be just the best of all of them, and that's including someone like Pedri in that kind of bracket of top-top in their position level player.
0: All right, and to read that and the rest of the Scouted50 profiles, which are coming at a serious pace now, uh, that's scoutednotebook.com, including Phil's next profile. Phil, who is that on? Federico
1: Redondo. So and when will soon that to be, be coming? With, um, Hopefully towards the end of this month. It's uh, an exciting time for him, having broken through really in the last 12 to 18 months, obviously comes from footballing fame with his, uh, his father, Fernando Redondo, um, who used to play for Real Madrid, AC Milan, elegant, classy defensive midfielder, and look what he managed to... Uh, I'm not going to say produce (laughs) because he wasn't made in a lab, but the apple doesn't fall far from the tree basically. Um, And now he'll get to learn under Sergio Busquets into Miami. So very exciting for him. Beautiful. Look forward to that
0: again, scoutednotebook.com. All right, that's it, everyone. We're on to the best moment of everyone's day, week, month life whatever uh it's handbook history this is the game show where i put my colleagues knowledge of our historical profiles to the test if anyone doesn't know how this works i'm looking for a specific name from our handbook history one of the many hundreds of players that we've profiled uh Over the years, over the near decade now, I'm going to read out a series of clues in three rounds and the boys can have one guess in each round and the clues will get more and more obvious as we go along. And you get one point for guessing in the final round, two for guessing in the second round, one for guessing. I've just, I'm making hand signals that make no sense. I'm going to confuse everyone. Luckily, this is not a video podcast yet. Right. Right let's get started boys. I'm going to apologize in advance this week because um, I've done what I call a Lou round where I've specifically designed clues to confuse Lou Davies. Um, I have a feeling this, you might surprise me, but I have a feeling this could be a massacre and uh, we could be cutting a lot of silence out of this um, because I, I went a bit I went a bit insane, but are we ready anyway? Stephen, you look so excited. I've never seen a man look so excited.
2: I am so so ready. Again, this instead of I, leaning forward in my chair didn't work last week, so I am going to try leaning back instead and see if the extra relaxation and zen can get the brain functioning a little bit better.
0: Okay, Phil, you were here for the debut round of Scoured of uh, Handbook History, I believe, but you haven't been back since. How are you feeling? Are you are you warmed up? Are you ready?
1: I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm quite excited about going into this cold, considering I remember about three players that we've profiled over the last four years, which is great. Um, And they were the ones I wrote. So (laughs) we've got a good uh, good base to go off here. Okay, well, hopefully
0: I haven't overdone it. Uh, To be fair, I thought I'd made it worse than I have. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Player number one, boys, here we go. Please buzz in with any guesses at any time. Round number one. This player played for four La Liga teams in four years between 2017 and 2021. Clue two. This player's only international call-ups came in the 2016 Olympics in Rio, Where he played three times and scored once his team did not place for a medal clue three he made his premier league debut against bournemouth on 21st of august 2016 as a sub
1: would you like any could you you repeat that last that last stat or the last question
0: he made his premier league debut against bournemouth on the 21st of August 2016 as a substitute.
1: 2016. Oh, we're going away back mm. here, guys. I was going to say someone like Abel Ruiz or someone like that, but.
2: No, but if you're saying senior, co- uh, if you're saying call ups, is that including youth international games as well, or is it only senior and Olympics? uh i know uh i believe
0: i believe it's um both i believe he only ever played for his nation at the olympics no under 21s
1: nothing like that Um, wow this is super niche okay I, i think i'm ready for the next the next batch i think you should confirm that just to be fair okay
0: you want me to confirm it yes please I'm, I'm confirming right now, do do confirming Oh, Google help. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, fill this with uh lift music.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah, pretty sure. No, no other uses sure. actual call- call-ups just the Olympics. <laughs> Okay. Pretty sure. Yes. All right. Is that going Uh, to swing things for you? For La Liga clubs.
0: All right. I'm now definitely sure. All right. Go to the next. Only ever played at the Olympics. All right. Round number two. Round number two. He has scored one Premier League goal. That's it. Clue number two. He scored a Europa League hat-trick in a tie. His team would go on to lose over two legs to an English club. Clue number three. My God. In 2022, his current club, where he had previously in his career been on loan, activated his release clause. This is an obscure one. Tell you that right now. I didn't even know who this guy was. <laughs> 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 I'm
1: just scored a hat trick, made a Premier League appearance. This is tough.
0: Yeah, this is a Lou, this is a Lou one. I can't wait for him to listen to this later and tell me when he got it. I had like I got it in four oh, seconds. Like,
1: I had Rafinha in my mind for a bit, but the Premier League angle has has thrown me off. Yes, he made a a brief
0: stop there, scoring one goal. Just one. Oh, man. Steven, do you want me to repeat anything? Nah, um, I'm stumped. All right. Are we going to round three, boys? yes please okay yep. here we go ready you got to be quick on the buzzer here if you get it no mercy from either of you okay round three clue one he is a forward clue two he began his career and a strike force with carlos
1: tevez <laughs> clue three he was at boca he was at boca juniors then
0: <laughs> clue three he currently plays alongside hammers james rodriguez and lucas moore which i believe is the second time lucas moore has come up
1: during handbook history and they play for sao paulo <laughs> i don't oh, even know who they play for now so it's got to
2: be it's got to be a men's city kid if does you with, it no it could be
1: they play, they play at Sao Paulo, right? Hamas Rodriguez and Lucas Moura. But this guy played at the That's Olympics true. in 2016. That is also true.
0: <laughs> this might be the first round I've ever won. I've outstumped
2: them. So if he was. And he. he Do you say he started his career playing alongside Carlos Tevez?
0: He broke through in senior football playing alongside. Carl so that Stone, would have
2: been around it? then 2015, 16. But then, oh, so. um, Oh, it's. Is it. Mm, oh, my God. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> Either was it Southampton? Is that. Oh. No. Did, did we profile him? I don't think we did.
1: But is he, is he spanish
2: yeah he's spanish well he played for spain no, he's not spanish. Oh. but he played for spain no, he's not he spanish. Played for spain at the
0: olympics no i didn't yeah I said you his did only inter- no i didn't i said his only <laughs> international call ups came in the 2016 olympics in rio
2: i could have sworn you said spain in there somewhere we
1: might have to review the table oh, yeah. i think i know I, I think tape. i might know who it is i think i might he's know not who spanish it is if he's I'm not good. Spanish, he played I think in La Liga. Who it is? He played for. La, in I've, La got Liga for I've got All it. I think I've got it. Go. Okay, g- give I me it then. Jonathan Cayeri.
0: That is a great, wow. great shout by Philip Costa, and he has the, claimed the a Spain single point. Spain was
1: throwing me off. The Spanish. Okay, side well, the...
0: maybe I'll give you an extra point if I did say Spain. I'm going to review <laughs> the tape. Okay, we need to look impressive. at that back,
1: unless we both misheard it really badly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Possible um, possible,
1: um, yes. Oh, I don't know where I'm from.
2: from the That's, depths very of my brain. That's very good.
1: That's he very good. He was at West Ham, right? He went on loan he to was West, at West Ham. Ham,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. He scored once, came home. Um, yeah, his only caps for Argentina were three games in the Olympics embryo. I'm um, happy with that. Played alongside Carlos Tevez yeah. at Boca. Very well done. And is currently at Sao Paulo. Well done Phil. That's a whole point for you my friend. Good
1: clues again. Good clues again. Very
2: good. Thanks. All right, dude. round 2. Let's
0: go. Round number 2. Player number 2 everyone. Get your uh, guesses in early. This one's slightly I'm not even going to say anything about this one, okay? Might be harder, might be might be easier, who knows. Round 1, clue number 1. He was signed by a club in 2019 for a club record fee. That fee now stands third, so it's been broken twice. He has made one Premier League appearance. Last year, he scored on his debut for a brand new club. Any questions, boys? Any questions? Any thoughts? Any
1: I already know I need more than that.
2: Okay. Stephen, yeah. Moving next, on. Next, please.
0: Round number two. This is an excerpt from the profile. Quote Fairly Lanky, standing in a lean six foot two. He can sometimes look clumsy on the ball, but is deceptively fleet footed. A big boy, big tall boy. Clue number two: He switched his national allegiance from DR Congo. Doctor Congo, in twenty sixteen, having made one senior appearance for them, he has made twelve senior appearances since for his chosen team. Uh, uh, can I buzz in? Yes. Is it Jeffrey Kondogbia? It is not Jeffrey Kondogbia.
2: Oh. Ouch. Sorry, he, One he more clue. started with con- DR Congo and moved to a the different American national Republic team. Of
1: Congo and moved to a different team, yeah. Oh, that's a bad shout, because he, he was a French, wasn't he? Be yeah, up. and he, and went to he so- moved. Central to African Republic. Republic. <gasps> oh,
0: ouch. All right, I've still got another clue in round two here, for Steve, if you want to jump in for a steal already. This player made his professional debut as a substitute for Yuri Tielemans.
2: Ooh. Do, 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 do. I can hear <laughs> Lou screaming in my ear right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. The imaginary. Did he write voice the
1: profile? In.
0: No, he didn't. No.
1: It sounds like something I would write, to be fair.
0: I don't think you wrote it either. Mm. I think I know who, I remember who wrote it. I didn't write it down, but in my brain, I have it. It's neither of
2: you. Uh, I got no idea. I'm terrible okay, at this. Ra- Let's go round three. You are you
0: are leading on points only because you're here every week. I'm <laughs> just <laughs> consistently bad, <laughs> but always you're gonna here. You're going to win on volume. All right, round three. He is a forward. Clue two. In 2018-2019, listen carefully, okay? This player scored four goals against Bayern Munich across two games, including a a hat trick at the Allianz. This made him the first player in Bundesliga history to put three goals past Manuel Neuer at the Allianz Arena.
1: Congo. And he's ch- he's changed his nationality. Oh or
2: uh,
1: is it Silas? Oh,
2: what's his name? Yeah, well I said it first. He's, Silas. Uh, Mvom- Mvompo yeah. I always forget Ketumpa. what his new name is, but yeah.
0: <gasps> Incorrect.
1: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I didn't, say it. Both I
0: didn't just, say it. You both just dropped your guess.
1: <laughs> God, this has to be a bonus round, surely.
0: All right, final clue. Clues? Oh, okay. Well, final clue. His current side are 15th in La Liga. I guess it's, if either of you can guess it now, you've used up all your guesses, but go wild. Enjoy. The
1: forward who's played in the Bundesliga? from Yeah. Congolese heritage.
2: Yep. <laughs> who, who did he switch his heritage to? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we must, I'm not anyway, telling you that. i well give us another clue. Belgium. Belgium.
0: Belgium. That's what I said. He's a forward. He's a forward. Yeah, forward winger. No. Forward is a catch all term. <sighs> Played for Belgium 12 times, I think, around there. I'm Played for their under twenty one side too. I'm just gonna give you more clues. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to get it. Have you got any more? Have you got any more? I'd,
2: no. I'd, I just, go. I'm just I thinking. Dirty Luca Bacchio. Oh yeah, it is him. Yeah, it is. I him. Just Luca
1: Bacchio. You can't just. You can't just. Oh, I'm
0: thinking about
1: this. That's not in the spirit of handbook history. Uh, I was going to claim.
2: Yeah. Well, we lost anyway. It doesn't matter i'm gonna claim the victory there i'm gonna give myself i didn't think that we i didn't think we had we'd profiled him because i was thinking of him before but it must have
1: been late though it must have been when he was at like wolfsburg or something yes so for anyone
0: that didn't hear that because we were all uh clanging around um it was dodie lucabacchio i believe this was in volume eight which was ryan gravenberg's purple cover um, so it was relatively late. Um, I also think Connor Garrett wrote the profile, which means he was likely in Germany at this point.
1: Oh, he might have been at Hertha um,
0: Herter Berlin. So I think it was probably Herter. yeah. Um, well, there Colin you go. Sevilla, who are not doing good. Bless him. All right, that was fun. Thanks so much, everyone. I'll update the leaderboards. I'll do an actual leaderboard update uh, next week. Um, I don't know what's going on, really. Something's happening. Steve's probably winning, Um because he's key. here a lot. Although I get some points this week because I outsmarted you all.
1: I was happy with my. Or, one. I'll take that. I'll take that.
0: Yeah, the Jonathan Kaleri, That was a that was a great shout, listeners. If anyone's getting these before these these two, please let me know. I want to know if anyone. Is uh, playing along at home and is smarter than Stephen. It's not hard really to like. beat me. So, <laughs> anyway, boys, thanks so much for joining me this uh, afternoon. It's Tuesday rather than Monday. Um, I think it was a lovely time being with you both, uh, Stephen. Anything you would like to say before we sign off? It's always a pleasure, never a chore, Tom phil how many chores have you
1: got to do today <laughs> <laughs> quite a few but i man i could play handbook history for hours i love it um true the, i think to, at the end of, of the season
0: th- we'll just do a whole episode of handbook history. we have to do like a live the stream
1: yeah, yeah yeah and just get everyone on the go because just racking your brain is is fun so, but yeah, enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully I can be here next week as well.
0: Good stuff. Hopefully racking brains is interesting to listen to because otherwise I'm going to have to cut out a lot of silence. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week. Hopefully with Phil, maybe not, maybe with a Lou, in which case Hammock History is going to last about four seconds.